Hey, if you're, you're new here to church, welcome. Again, my name's Julian. You know, I'm, I'm the pastor here, and it's, it's so awesome to see people just spending their Sundays, man, seeking God. And um, um, I hope that this service today um, may answer some questions that you have. I don't hope that it answers all of them, because if I can answer any questions you may have, then um, it, it, it turns off the seeking. The, the Bible promises that if you seek God, you'll find him. And so many times he, he, he leaves things yet to be undiscovered because he knows humanity's heart. As soon as we have it figured out, we forget the one who helped us figure that out. Come on, anybody ever forgot you after you help them figure something out? And they just, there's a story in the Bible where Joseph interpreted the dream of somebody and he goes, remember me. And as soon as Joseph Giff helped that guy get out of jail, the guy who got out of jail forgot all about him. So God knows how humanity works. And so um, it's good to serve a God that you continue to have questions about. And so if you're here, you picked the perfect Sunday. We're actually in a series called King Jesus. Come on, Kanye helped a brother out with the Jesus is King album. I'm seeing people smoke pot with a Jesus is King sweatshirt on. I'm like, Kanye, you paving the way, brother. You make my job so much easier. Um, because in that, Jesus is King is really important. Because many of us have heard of Jesus being a savior, and we talked about how when you know Jesus as your savior, it saves you from sin, it saves you from your own need of self-righteousness and to figure everything out. You get saved from something when you put your faith in Jesus as your savior. But the more that I follow Jesus, the more that I realize that Jesus didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something. You have a purpose and a calling over your life that the sin and the mistakes are getting in the way of the very unique reason why you are on this planet. So Jesus didn't just save you from something, he saved you for something. Now, it's one thing to discover the thing that Jesus saved you for, it's another thing to take hold of it. And I have never met a person who took hold of all that God, how many, I want all that God has for me. I have never met a person who took hold of all that God had for them without knowing Jesus as their king. Because knowing Jesus as their savior is about what you get out of. You get out of shame, out of guilt, out of anxiety. Knowing Jesus as your king is all about what you get into, into the purpose, into the calling, into the reason why you are on this earth. So knowing Jesus as your king is an important thing. And I want to preach a message today called the king's cross. The king's cross. You may have heard of kings with a crown, but our king, the king that we serve, did everything he did because of a cross. And so John chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. And um, John 3, 16 is, is easily the most popular verse in all of the world. When Tim Tebow um, when he played for the Florida Gators, he wrote on his little eye black stuff, John 3.16, and the, the, for 30 minutes after the game, it was the most searched thing on the internet, John 3.16. And you, you may have grown up in church, I mean, this might be your first time in a church, but everybody could kind of probably quote John 3.16, and I'm going to give you a chance to do it all together in unity. And if you do it, I'm going to give you a million dollars in the spiritual realm, which... <laughs> Which simply means, I ain't got it. You're going to have to have some faith to bring it to pass in your life. So on the count of three, I, hey, listen, you've got faith. I hope it happens for you. I ain't got it, but it's in the spiritual realm. You've got to bring it down. Anyway, um, John 3.16, all together. Ready? One, two, three. 
Yeah, see, that's where it starts to go left. That's where it starts to go left. That first half was fire. Y'all sounded like, y'all sounded like an orchestra for God. So some of you ain't been to church in 10 years, and you were like, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. You ain't been to church since 9 to 5. As soon as I said that, you're like, oh, this I know. I know this one. I know this one. But then it gets to the end, and you just went left. So just so you know, when you're trying to quote a scripture to somebody and it goes wrong, just say shall, and you're good. So God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever shall may come to him is going to go really good. Amen. Like just people be like, man, that's so good. Like as soon as you say shall, people think it's scripture. And I know this is fact because I've done it up here and it wasn't nowhere in the Bible. No, I'm just playing. Just say shall when you don't know what to say. So we're going to read John 3, verses 1 through 16, and it goes like this. It says, now there was a Pharisee. A Pharisee was a person in the Bible, a religious leader who really knew a lot about the Word. A Pharisee would have memorized the first five books of the Bible for sure, by heart. Can you imagine knowing Genesis, Deuteronomy, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers by heart? Can you imagine? This man knew everything that he thought he was supposed to know. And it says this, this man named Nicodemus was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from, from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. It's almost like he's saying, I know a little bit, because Jesus was actually the son of God. He was God. He was with God. But he was like, I don't know about all of that, Right? But I do know this, you're definitely a teacher who's come from God, and you do some pretty awesome stuff, so obviously God's with you. He comes to Jesus with his limited understanding of who he was, and Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Huh? He goes, how can someone be born again when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Here's Nicodemus talking to Jesus himself and going, huh? And I think so many times we think Christianity is about having all the answers, having it all figured out. And if we can't figure it out, then we don't want anything to do with it. And I know if Nicodemus can talk to Jesus and still go, huh? You're going to talk to me and still go, huh? And I used to put pressure on myself to be able to have all the answers to people's questions but sometimes we have all the wrong answers because we're asking all the wrong questions. He goes, huh? If I ever start a church, it might just be called, huh, church? Because that's been my life. Jesus answered him, though, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Wait a minute. He's saying if you're born of the Spirit, you have to be more comfortable with not knowing. I can tell you're not born of the Spirit by how many answers to questions you demand to have in order to move forward. He goes, people who are born of the Spirit, Christians, 
They're like the wind. You don't know where it goes, comes from or where it's going. Does anybody want to not know where they're going? Make some noise. Come on, stop. You religious. You know you want to know. I want to know where I'm going. How many people currently have anxiety because they don't know where this is headed? The wind does not wake up in the morning and say, Lord, please tell us where, which way we want, you want us to, which direction you want us to blow in. No, it doesn't. So it is. Interesting enough, there's two things that, that, that Jesus compares us to in the Bible, children and the wind. The chil- children wake up in the morning and they, my children expect Cheerios. And if you don't have Honey Nut Cheerios for my son, it's going down. You're going to hear about it. He doesn't know about Trader Joe's. He don't care about that. He wakes up and there's an innocence that his father is going to provide. And you know what the very first thing my son does in the morning? The very first thing that my son seems to require is close personal proximity with his father. Do you wake up like that? So children and the wind, children and the wind, and and Jesus goes, man, who knows? So it is with everyone who is born with the Spirit, by the Spirit. And Nicodemus goes, huh? How could this be? And Jesus goes, you are Israel's teacher, yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? I'm trying to tell you something that's heavenly, and you won't even believe the simple things. He says, no one has gone, ever gone into heaven except the man who came from heaven, the Son of Man. He's saying, I'm not just a teacher. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Savior. And he says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, which he's retelling a story of where Moses had to lift up a snake because everybody was tripping. They got bit by some snakes. You got to read it for yourself. I don't have time to go into all that, but it was fire. Um, (laughs) He says, so the Son of Man be lifted up. He's talking about this emblem that represents Christianity all over the world. He's talking about the cross. And he goes, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then here it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. A respected religious leader who had memorized five books of the Bible at minimum is having a one-on-one conversation with God himself, and he's confused. And I think so many times we act like this stuff is just easy. Come on, just believe. Just figure it out. We're right. You're wrong. We figured it out, and you need to hear that. He was confused. He had some answers that he, he wanted, and what I have found about from God is the one thing Jesus appeared to be trying to communicate at the end of this phrase is that God loved the world. And in my life, when I first came to Jesus, God would not tell me all the things I wanted to know unless I understood one thing, that he loved me. That is the most important thing that God wanted me to know. 
And that is not what we are asking ourselves, the daily question. We're not asking ourselves anymore who loves me. It's all about what we do, what we accomplish. We're not asking ourselves. And here's the thing, the reason why people don't believe is because their understanding is limited of God and they're saying, hey, if I don't get it and I don't understand it, I'm not believing in it. And if God is God, he's gonna have to show me this thing or I'm not doing it. But the Bible says that God gives you limited understanding to see what you do with what you understand. And only for those who do with the little they understand, it's, it's just classic parent. My kids go to pizza and they want four slices of pizza. And what do I say? I say, finish the first two. And only then am I putting, because then you're gonna lick the pepperoni, waste the pizza. That's what we do with knowledge. We get puffed up with knowledge and we don't use any of it. And God say, I'm not doing that. I need you to know that I love you. I love you. I, I love you. Matthew 13, 12 says this. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away it says when we don't listen to God, we get more confused. Nicodemus needed to listen to Jesus or he walked away going, huh? You know, one of the things for me, may, may I be honest, is when I'm trying to communicate Jesus to people, I used to think I had to have all the answers and that people couldn't walk away from me going, hmm, I don't know about that. And if they did, then I had failed them. I gotta have all the answers. But there's a lot of stuff I've been watching that make me go, huh? You know, I've been watching a lot of scientists and um, evolutionists and atheists on YouTube. The reason why I watch a lot of scientists and atheists on YouTube is I'm fascinated with learning from people who think differently than me. And just because they don't think exactly the same way that I do doesn't mean that I can't learn anything from them. So I want to see the way of thinking that, that people learn from. And one of the things that, as I'm watching all these videos on, from scientists, is that they believe in evolution and something called natural selection. Evolution means that some time ago, um, there was a big old bang, an explosion. And out of that explosion, a bunch of molecules somehow became living organisms, those living organisms somehow became more evolved living organisms. Those more evolved living organisms somehow became monkeys. And somehow those monkeys became people who pay tickets to the zoo to see other monkeys who didn't make the cut. Huh? I mean, I get it, my faith is hard to understand, but I was watching that video like, hmm? There must be some mad, no wonder, Planet of the Apes is really getting ready to happen because there's some mad monkeys out there. How is it that I didn't make the cut and now you paying tickets to see me? That, you gonna pay tickets to see who you, you I don't get it. Anybody, that sounds kind of confusing. So evolution means that we just evolved and natural selection is a bit of the, I don't have time to get into it because 
you know, I'm not a scientist, but it's a bit of survival of the fittest. Natural selection is those organisms that were able to adapt to what was happening in the universe could continue forward evolving, and the ones that could not adapt would be extinct. It's literally life and death. Jesus talks life and death too, but so does evolution. But instead of being saved, you need to make sure that you can adapt, that you can be the survival of the fittest, or you got no shot. Does that make sense? And so it believes that. And so what that means is that whatever happens in the universe, whether it's explosions or weather or environment, in order for humanity to survive, we have to adapt, which means, therefore, we are submitted to the universe. So we're still submitted to something bigger than ourselves, even in our belief in the universe. So I got it. Cool, cool. Evolution, natural selection, got it. But now people are telling me, the same people, that if I put positive vibrations into the universe, that the universe gives me back positive things. But didn't I get here because I had to adapt to the universe, but now you're telling me if I put positive vibes into the universe, the universe will adapt to me and give me my dreams and my hopes? Huh. Don't you got to pick one? Now, if I can put a positive vibe into the universe and the universe will give me my dream, then that means that whatever created me is more powerful than... Because we're saying that the universe can submit to what I put out, the energy, right? I'm not following that. If that's true, then that means I could not have been created by the universe because now the universe that created me is submitting to me. I think what it really answers in my own life, because I used to pray this way, is deep down I desire to be in control. I desire to run the show. If I believe in the universe, I can tell the universe what to do. But if the universe created me with an explosion, then how did I get to be in charge? Huh? My point is, is everything has a bit of a I don't know to it, doesn't it? It's not necessarily, we're not even talking about right or wrong. We're just talking about like, wait a minute. One of the things I've noticed on these YouTube videos is that they're consumed with answering mainly two questions. How did we get here? How did humanity get here? And how did that get there? Whether it's the stars, the sun, the moon, the trees, how did that get there? And, and it's about spending your life answering these two questions. But the reality is, is that if you believe you were created by God, then your questions start to change to, why am I here? And am I doing the right thing. Deep down, as I pastor, you know, not just a church, but I try to be the pastor of coffee shops. I try to be the pastors of the gym when I go. And um, <laughs> deep down, people's questions are the same. Why am I here, and am I doing the right thing? And Jesus answers both of those questions. One is purpose. And one is righteousness, not that comes from you, but that comes from faith in, in who he is. I think it's dangerous to not believe until you have all your questions answered. One of those same scientists had a wonderful quote. He said this, 
One of the great challenges in this world is to know enough about a subject to think you're right, but not enough about the subject to know you're wrong. You know enough to kind of think you're right, but then if you press in a little bit more, you'd find out you were wrong. Great prophet also said, the good news is you came a long way. (laughs) The bad news is you went the wrong way. That's a rapper, J. Cole. But you know what it is? I think that was more me. Before I came to Jesus, I came a long way, but I went the wrong way. Wrong way. And my faith in Jesus made me have to backtrack. And as you start to have all these questions, you might go, okay, get it. Wow, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Okay, got it. Okay, so then God has to be real. Got it. I believe God exists. Cool. Great. Now you want me to believe that same God who exists is good? All the craziness in this world? Doesn't the world have a way of making you feel like you're going crazy or it's going crazy? Isn't there something always to be deathly afraid of? Wasn't it two months ago we all thought World War III was happening? And as you went across in Instagram stories, we're all going to die. World War III is on the way. You got somebody building a bomb bunker. Like, brother, you live in an apartment. They're going to charge you for that. <laughs> Digging under your apartment building. They're going to charge you for that, brother. Don't you rent that house? <laughs> Come on, raise your hand if you thought, honestly, World War III is going to break out two months ago. Right? And then as soon as that fear is over, then we get hit with the coronavirus. Now I'm even more scared. Some of y'all done caught the Hennessy virus, man. You need to just stop drinking so much, man, and pray. But it's like there's always something to be terrified of. It's almost realizing that I don't have a choice in this life but to be overwhelmed. You have to be overwhelmed. The only choice you have is to choose what you are overwhelmed by. Do you want to be overwhelmed by life and the news and the media, or do you want to be overwhelmed by the love and the grace of God? You don't, you just get to choose. How many bottles of sanitizer I bought in the last three weeks? I never thought sanitizer would make it into the budget line. It's rent, electricity, car payment, hand sanitizer, right there in the budget line. Nasty people coughing and hacking all over the place. Jesus came to save you from being nasty. That's what he did. It says right there in the Bible, he shall come to save you from your nastiness. See, I threw Shaolin, and someone's like, amen. <laughs> so, now I'm supposed to believe God is good? God is good? If God is good, how can he be good? Why do bad things happen to good people if God is good? Huh. Our entire faith is based off a bad thing happening to a good person. Jesus didn't do anything wrong, and yet they killed him and hung him on a cross, and now we get to be set free. 
Huh. Here's the thing. I know God is good because God's plan is that we would be loved by God. And here's the issue with love. The issue with love is that you need to have a choice. And if I am all powerful but I'm not all controlling, if I'm all loving, then in order for me to be all loving, I can't control people because then it's not love, they're being controlled. So unfortunately, where there's an option for love, there's also an option for evil. And it grieves God when people pick the other option, but he doesn't step in and control because the minute he controls evil, there cannot be any love. There cannot be any love. So then God has to come up with a plan to reveal his goodness. The Bible says you go into the earth and you can tell. No one's going to convince me that you and your boo sit on the beach and watch a sunset and God did not create that. There's no way. But now I gotta believe that God is good and, and, and here's how God did it. He says, okay, so if I control people and I stop everything bad from happening, then there can be no love. So here's what God says. I'm gonna send my one and only son and they're going to be born again, meaning when they put their faith in Jesus, it gets to start over. The world says get better. God says start over through faith in Jesus. And now they're born from a spiritual place, and now they get to walk out things, and things will happen that they've been trying on their own for years. And he says, this is a plan. I got to get my goodness in the world without controlling. So here's my plan. I I'm going to... Send my one and only son to die for me so that whoever believes shall have eternal life. How does that happen? Then when you believe, God himself, the spirit of Jesus, lives on the inside of you. So God says, here is the plan to reveal my goodness in the world. It's not from the outside in. It's from the inside out. And that you can't know that if I'm good if you don't allow me to meet you on the inside. The world tells us, no, God, meet us on the outside, fix all our problems, do all of our stuff, and then I'll believe something. No, he says it goes from the outside in. And, and, and um, let's just say, for example, look at this nice bushel of broccoli. And we got some broccoli, we got some Skittles. Ooh, I love Skittles. Woo! Ooh, I love some Skittles. Let's say I have a friend, and they're really good at being fit and eating right. And they're perfect in this. And they see me, and because they love me, they realize all I do all day is eat Skittles. You know, you've seen that old brother at the baseball game, like Sunflower. <laughs> Always got to look cool. Just eat the Skittles, man. He's just like, what's up, boy? I had an uncle, he ate Skittles. Like, what's up, boy? Not boy, B-O-Y, B-O-I. What's up, boy? How you doing, boy? Had a cigarette hanging out his mouth looking for his lighter. Let's say a friend of mine watched me eat Skittles all day, and they like, that friend is perfect at diet, and they watch me eat Skittles, and so because they love me, they send me something. They send me a bushel of broccoli. See this? Hear me smacking? Oh my God. I did it in the 9 a.m. and it was worse. 
Oh my God. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, oh my God. Let me just see his backpack real quick. We ain't doing that. We'll just put that on in here. Okay. Cool. All right. Go back to eating my Skittles, because that was <laughs> not great. Now, something that's good for me is with me, but it ain't in me. Now, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing, because I don't like that. Then one day, I get really unhealthy, because all I'm doing is eating Skittles. Then I call that friend and say, you're no good, and your plan is no good. Because you sent me the broccoli, I accepted it, and nothing's happened. How crazy would it be to discredit the goodness of broccoli when it never made it on the inside? And so I'm just walking around with the broccoli doing whatever I want. Uh, 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 we in the club, we in the club, uh, uh. Uh, 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 uh. What you doing? Just waiting for this broccoli to kick in? How foolish is that? It's not that the broccoli's not good. I'm not allowing the broccoli to reveal its goodness because I don't eat it. And then, how crazy would it be to eat it once on Easter. <laughs> Whoa! And expect my life to change because every Easter I had some broccoli, but the rest of the year, it's all about what I want to do. I'm going to question the goodness of God, y'all. Come on. It's only the consistency of the presence of God within you that would reveal the goodness of God outside of you. This is the message of the cross, to make God's goodness effective in your life by faith. And then Jesus, the Spirit, comes to live on the inside of you. This is a profound truth called the gospel. And the world loves to give us things to replace this message with. And sometimes it's church. It's not always sin. Sometimes it's church. Okay, so if I'm going to believe God is good, got it. Got it. You know Psalm 34 verse 8 says this, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. And the more that I mature, the more I realize, not taste and see that he's good like, mmm, Skittles. <laughs> but taste and see that he's good for you. Not just good to your senses and good, but good for you. Not everything that good is, is good for you tastes great at the first. But you get used to it. And you get motivated as you start to see the changes. You start to see the changes. Okay, got it. God is good. Now you want me to believe not only does God exist, but that God is good. Now you want me to believe this good news called the gospel. 
that Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a good guy that we can follow his example. He was God sent down from the heavens to be a sacrifice for my sin. And because of that, I can have forgiveness from my sin and have a relationship with this God. This is not religion. This is the good news. And good news is always about what's been done. What's been done? People say, I got some good news. What? If you play the lottery, you might win. That's not good news. That's the potential of good news. And that news, once you got excited to hear it, it's almost torture. Like, oh, I got so excited, and that's it? And I think we live our life believing that there's better news than Jesus came. Some of y'all are waiting on an email for promotion, and Jesus has some good news he's trying to tell you now, and the email matters, but it won't matter as much. Promotion matters, but it shouldn't matter as much as it does. Man, what God has for you shouldn't matter. It matters, but maybe it matters a bit too much, and maybe God wants to get some good news that he came, he lived, and he died, and he was resurrected. Then life doesn't have to be what you avoid. It can be about what you resurrect from. Because there is no believer who hasn't experienced the pain of death, but yet the glory and the joy of resurrection. That's the point. And for every person that doesn't believe in God, you all have to experience, we all have to experience death. The question is, can you rise from that without Jesus? That is the question. Because at the end of the day, some of you are exhausted from your guilt. Some of you are exhausted from your pride. Some of you are exhausted from the work. Some of you are exhausted. We all get exhausted, and at the end of the day, we need a Savior. Either because we're trying to be the Savior, or we realize we're coming up short. So we have to believe in this message called the good news, and this is the gospel. And this was Nicodemus. Huh? Because it was hard for him to believe. It was easy for me to believe, to be honest, because I, I had hit rock bottom. I wish we didn't have to hit rock bottom to believe. But it is an easier place to meet with God because I didn't have anything. I didn't know anything. And the people who, who think they know nothing get to find out they know everything when they meet Jesus. But it's hard if you think you got it all together because... You think you know everything, and you're in the presence of God, and you find out you know nothing. It's a harder, harder yes when you think that you know. That's why it's so encounter, hard to encounter God when you think that you know. It's so hard to encounter the good news of Jesus when, at the end of the day, you think there's better news. But there isn't. The number one problem of all of humanity is sin. And if God would solve that problem without your help, don't you think he wants to solve every other problem you got too? This is a beautiful, beautiful message that Nicodemus encountered when he was trying to come to Jesus at night. And I want you to catch this. He was coming to Jesus at night. And I've been thinking a lot about this at the church. That man would have went to temple every day. But yet, when it was time to meet Jesus, the temple wasn't the best place. That bothered me, man. 
Because I think we can talk about, come to church, come to church, come to church. And we never stop and say, is this the best place to meet Jesus? Is this the best place? Is there another place that might be better in this moment? Nicodemus was finding out everybody that where I came from, they don't, they don't believe in you, but I, I just need to come to you because I'm scared that if I come to you, what they're going to think. So let me come to you one-on-one. And the most famous verse in the world, God was talking to one person when he said it. I think we see that verse on billboards. We see that verse on memes and coffee mugs. Matter of fact, if you go to In-N-Out and you turn one of them cups upside down, you know what's on the bottom of that cup? John 3.16. Is John 3.16 on the bottom of a McDonald's cup? No. That's why those burgers taste like that. (laughs) You going to try to tell me God ain't real? Have you been to In-N-Out? There's faith in them hamburgers, y'all. Didn't God create you and I? He created the animals. How can you get a hamburger animal style? I'm preaching. I am preaching. But the point is, we see this verse everywhere, and we don't realize that the very first time Jesus said that, he said it to one person. Wasn't on the bottom of a cup, wasn't on a billboard, wasn't on a meme, going to the masses, wasn't on a bi- in a Bible read by millions. He said it out of his mouth to one person. And I believe there's one person in here that needs to hear the same thing that Nicodemus heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe, he gives them eternal life. I want you to stand to your feet. And um, here's what's cool about this, 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 this story is that we never heard Nicodemus say, I got it, makes total sense. We never heard him say that. But if you continue reading the Bible, what happened with Nicodemus is Jesus died and they went to bury him. And you know who buried him? A man by the name of Joseph of, Ar- Joseph of Arimathea. And you know who helped Joseph carry Jesus' body? Nicodemus. I wonder if in John 3.16, when Jesus was having that conversation, Nicodemus was like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to go back and do what I've been doing. But then when he was carrying Jesus with Joseph, he was looking at the person. I wonder if he was reciting that as he carried Jesus' body to the tomb. I wonder if he said that for for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever shall believe will receive eternal life. And as he laid him in the tomb, he set him down. And maybe that was the moment where he said, oh, I've been asking the wrong questions. I've been asking about my future and all. Man, does God really love me? 
and as he set Jesus' body down in that tomb, and they rolled the stone in front of it, I wonder if Nicodemus said, yeah, he does. But it didn't stop there. Three days later, Jesus got up out of that tomb. And many of you believe that God is not good because you've carried something to a tomb as well. Your dreams, your hopes, the idea, the, your purpose. And you don't believe God is good because you had to do that. But it's not about the fact that it's dead. It's about Jesus got up. And so can you. There's power in this message. Life and death. Life and death. Even evolutionists say that creatures are extinct because they weren't able to adapt. So there's life and death in every belief. So why is it hard to believe that there's life and death in the moment that you're about to make here? But not just regular life, eternal life, life with God. God wants to be with you so bad, he said, let's do something to make it permanent so that never again would you have to strive and be your own savior. This is really the message that a king in heaven, Jesus Christ, came down the earth, gave up his crown over you. For relationship. Does it sound familiar? He gave up royalty for relationship. There was a movie I watched in the 80s with a similar theme. Prince Akeem. Gave up royalty for relationship. Don't watch that movie. It's not. Isn't that theme incredible? That somebody would give up royalty for relationship? And somebody is in here and you've given up relationship for what the world deems as royalty. And I'm asking you to switch it around and ask God for a relationship. There's no other religion that says you can have a relationship with God as your father. No other, no other religion. And yes, there's plenty of ways to get to God, but Jesus says, I'm the only way to the Father. You can go outside and see nature, and Romans 1 says we have no excuse not to believe that God exists because we can see all that he's created and tell that he exists. We have no excuse not to believe God exists. I'm not talking about does God exist. I'm talking about has the goodness of God been revealed to you in your life? Have you been born again by faith in Jesus? I'm 43 years old, y'all. And I spent 31 years trying to be my own savior. And in the 12 years I've lived sold out for Jesus, God has given me three times more in 12 years than I got in 31 years without him. Carrying him around in a backpack, talking about he's with me. No, 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 is he in you? The world tells us God is not good because he doesn't move from the outside in. That's not his plan. His plan is that he would move from the inside out, that you would invite God on the inside so that you can start to see the fruit on the outside. And even that broccoli started with a seed. And the Bible calls the word of God, the gospel, a seed. And in order to get the fruit, there's only one thing you can plant a seed in, 
and that is dirt. So if you feel filthy and ashamed and dirty, you are the perfect soil for the seed of this message I've preached today.